Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Well, good morning, Cape Cod Church. Y'all came for the Brazilian barbecue, didn't you? I'm looking at all of you, and I'm wondering if we got enough. Um, but I think we got you, we got you covered. Man, um, 30 years. I was telling some of our leaders this morning. Yeah. yeah. I, don't know, I don't know exactly what it is, but 29 and 30 do not seem close to each other. Like, 30 just seems like, whoa, you've, that's, that's old. Like, I was, I was listening to, to Britt talk about the survey we took, and I'm like, you weren't alive. <laughs> Honestly, no offense, Britt, we weren't thinking about you yet. We've been married all of nine months, and man, what a, what a, what a trip it's been, and uh yeah, 30 years. So I thought, <laughs> I, um, I, brought, I brought some pictures. Would you all like to see some pictures? <laughs> yeah, these are, these are great. I actually found, this is a true story right here. I found the pictures of the very first Sunday. Yeah, this was, um, this was in our living room, summer, 30 years ago. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> That's a, yeah, I got, I got it wrong. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's, that's the babies right there, folks. That's the babies. That's, a, we had not celebrated our first anniversary. Yeah, 30, 30 years ago. I've told the story before. Um, nobody showed up. So it's just the two of us. And, and true story, I've looked back at this because I'm going to show you another picture in a moment. And I wondered, when I saw the next picture, I wondered if what was happening, I grew up in a very, very conservative, you know, and, and here I am, first Sunday, and I'm showing up in a pink shirt without a tie. So I felt like maybe God was judging us. So this is the second Sunday, right here. Yeah, that's the second Sunday. <laughs> I'm guessing you have a preference in those pictures. I actually, looking back on this, um, there's a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, it occurs to me that maybe I thought a tie would work, but on the second Sunday, nobody showed up either. So I thought I could either do this with a tie or without a tie. So I started a trend and went without the tie. So, true story, I, I found this, both of these pictures recently, and um, this is back before digital cameras and stuff, and uh, Tammy must have taken these and stuck them in a scrapbook somewhere, and she, she wrote notes on the back of them. So on the first one, uh, she wrote, uh, 1992, the date was actually July 5th, our first Bible study. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This may or may not make sense to you, but I'm like, Bible study? I'm a preacher. I'm talking about Bible study. <laughs> Fast forward to the second picture, and on the back of it, she writes, 
Second study, and I'm not making this up, it's right here. Exact quote, Ben, preach to me. <laughs> yes, I did, folks. Yes, I did. I got my Bible out and I just preached at her. Yeah, it must have been good because she came back the next week. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> got to be something to it right yeah ben, that's the quote of the quote of 30 years ben preached to me <laughs> uh, here's something else i think we learned um that week and looking back is um church is better with people <laughs> that's that's profound isn't it church is better with people i mean it's just there's something about having your, your people together, and um, we're so grateful for that. We're grateful for every one of you and your stories and those who've been here for a week or two and those of you who've been here for 30 years and you look at those pictures and you remember them. We're, just, we're grateful for you. And we're grateful to be a part of this. And I, you know, for the past... Uh, all, all summer, we've been working our way through the book of Colossians, and uh, we, we sort of planned it so it would finish today, here, where Paul finishes, the author of the book of Colossians. And Paul would often get to the end of his book, and he would kind of conclude it by thanking people. And I, I wanted to, I, I just wanted to read this to you, and as I do, I just want you to listen it's a few verses long, but it's, it's a bit of a, a, a roll call. It's, it's Paul walking down memory lane, and I just want you to listen for the names. And then I want to draw a couple of applications with some stories that I think will bring it all home. Here's what he writes. He picks up in chapter 4, verse 7, as he wraps this whole thing up. He said, Tychicus... We'll give you a full report about how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother, a faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're doing and to encourage you. I'm also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Aristarchus, who was in prison with me, sends you his greetings. And so does Mark, Barnabas's cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Verse 11 says, Jesus also sends his greetings. And as you might have guessed, this is a different Jesus. It was a fairly common name. This is Jesus' justice. Also sends his greetings. And then he adds, these are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what comfort they have been. Verse 12, he says, Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for all the believers in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings, and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. And after you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. 
And you should read the letter I wrote them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord has given you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting. Paul, remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. Paul is... uh, Paul has spent four chapters now telling them, Jesus is everything you need. Everything. He is sufficient. He is magnificent. He is everything you need. And that story is changing the world. And then it's as if Paul says, and you, 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 and you are a part of that story. What a beautiful ending. Together, we are a part of this story that God is writing. And in fact, here's how he says it in verse 15. He says, Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea. Brothers and sisters. He uses this this family language, right? He's like, our brothers, our sisters. We're we're, we're not related by by blood. We're related by by Jesus. Jesus Christ has, has, has come into our lives and he has made us inexplicably a family. You and you and you and you and you and you. In all of our differences, in all of our uniquenesses, Jesus Christ brings us together. This is the beauty of baptism, right? We saw those images and with everyone a unique story blended into one story with the symbolism of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for 2,000 years. Believers have been celebrating this single symbol to celebrate how we are bonded together in the church, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when these people went down into the waters, they were giving testimony to how Jesus had changed them. I don't, I don't want to make this um, all, all, all story about something that happened 2,000 years ago. I want to bring it right to where we're living. You see, every person that goes down into baptism, we, it, those stories all look different, right? Sometimes it's, it's someone who's come through a dramatic story of recovery, right? We, we, we listened to those last year in the story project and these, these stories of how, how people's lives had just been turned upside down and through the upside down, they found Jesus and they were forever, they were forever changed. But sometimes the story is, Sometimes your story might be, man, I, I grew up in the church and I heard the story, but it never became mine until recently. And I took that step of faith. And now you're taking a step of baptism. 
Or maybe you've been wrestling. You've just been wrestling with, with God and with Jesus Christ and where he fits into your life. And you've recently taken that step of faith and you've stepped over it and everything in your life is becoming new and different. For some of you, it's been a renewal of faith. You grew up hearing the stories and along that journey, you placed your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ. And you would give evidence to that. But, but in this season, it's become fresh and real and new. And this, this next week, right after the services, we'll go down to Manat Beach. And let me just say it as plainly as I can. Some of you, that's the next step for you to celebrate through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, becoming a part of his family, celebrating what he has done for you. I want to make this as practical as possible. When you came in today, we gave you a little card, a little handout, and the very top thing on it is, I want to be baptized. I made sure that happened today because I know there's, there's a good number of you out there. You, you've been walking this unique journey, but you've never, since you embraced Jesus Christ, have gone down into the waters, and as we sang a moment ago, up out of the waters. I just want you to know, this is your opportunity, and I hope before you go today, you'll begin by taking that step and signing up to be a part of it. And what has happened for 2,000 years is God's people are bonded together by this single story of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I was reading through this passage this week, getting ready for all this in this list of names. I've been looking at it for a few weeks, knowing that this was coming, and what do you do with all of these names? And probably as we read them, we read names like Tychicus and, you know, Rusticus, and we're like, wow, who, who are these people? But, but if you, you dig into them, you, you, you discover that there's stories behind every one of them. And I just want to take a minute before we have some barbecue. I promise you, the barbecue is not going anywhere. Because when you read this, it, I, like I was, it, I, I don't have time for every one of them, but I want to talk about four types of people Paul saw and that we see. Here's the first type. I, I, I gave them all names because naming stuff is fun. You can, you can write this down if you want. The first type is the prison buddy. Here's what I mean. Did you notice when Paul said it in chapter 4, verse 10? He says, my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends his greetings. My fellow prisoner. M many commentators, maybe most, see this passage and, and sense that there's something here other than the fact that two people got arrested. It's almost like this passage is inferring, it's telling us that Aristarchus volunteered to go to prison, house arrest with Paul. He was a co-prisoner. He volunteered for prison. That's why I call him a prison buddy. Who does that? Who, who says, hey, I'll go to prison with you. I'll visit you. I've visited the prison lots of times, but I've never said I would stay. That's a line I draw. My line is, I'll go in as long as they promise to let me out. 
But somehow, Aristarchus is like, I'm in. I'm in, man. I'm, I'm all in. That's why I call him a, a prison buddy. I'm going to tell you something. Over 30 years at Cape Cod Church, I have met people whose commitment to the work of the church is so profound, it's embarrassing. I, I mean, I, I mean that like it's, it's humbling. It's like these, these people, like they give everything for the cause of the kingdom. This week, our staff was just kind of walking down memory lane, talking about the people that God has blessed us to work alongside with and, and the way they've poured themselves in. And we just listed name after name after name. It's hard to, it's hard to pick one, man. I could, I could pick a list of them this morning. I decided to tell you about one young man. He's a college student. His name is Seth Franco. Seth's got a fan club. I didn't know y'all knew him, but I'm going to tell you what. Full-time college student, summer's full-time job, teaches a loft Bible study for teens on Sunday morning. All summer, led a young adult Bible study on Wednesday nights. On Tuesdays, he leads games for our loft. I love this. Took a week off to go to camp with our young people. He's a volunteer, folks. He took a week off to go to camp and made sure he sat with every one of our senior boys to go over with them their testimony because on the last night of camp, they all get to stand up and share their testimony. My son was one of those boys. If you want to meet him, I hear he's going to be running a bouncy house outside. <laughs> right? Here's what somebody said about Seth to me this week. They said, Seth's the kind of guy that would go to prison with you, and he'd bring a pizza. <laughs> I love that. A prison buddy. Man, do we need prison buddies. I bet you can think of some in your own life. Prison buddy. They just go to the mat with you. They would do it all. And I'm going to tell you something. Over the 30-year history of Cape Cod Church, and what you're sitting here seeing today is the story of a whole lot of prison buddies, just people that are just like, man, whatever it takes. I love that. Let me read you another one. In the same verse, you said, my fellow prison Aristarchus sends you his greetings. And then it says, as does Mark. The cousin of Barnabas. That's it. As does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you might go, Mark, there's a lot of Marks in the Bible. And Barnabas, I remember Barnabas. Barnabas was a, Barnabas was a close friend, a leader. He had, you know, he's a discipler. He's, he's one of the giants of the New Testament. And here's Mark. And confusingly, in Acts chapter 13 and 15, we meet Mark Again, but Mark is John Mark, and he's, he actually is the author of the Gospel of Mark. But in, in Acts 13 and 15, we meet him, this cousin Barnabas, and we meet him, and it's not great. Like, Mark has, we don't know exactly what it was, but he kind of has a crisis of the faith. That's why I call this one the comeback story, because Mark just bolts. He's out. 
right? The worst time. He's just like, I'm done, out. <laughs> and Paul, the great giant of the faith, is so ticked at him. He's like, that kid, I'm done with him. Barnabas is like, give him a chance. Paul's like, nope, cut him off. <laughs> Barnabas is like, I'm giving him a chance. Paul says, fine, you give him a chance. I'll go my way, you go your way. True story. Until Colossians. And something's happened. And Mark is back. Come back, kid, man. You know what I love about the church? I love that the church is full of comeback stories. Goodness gracious. People that fallen, messed up, blew it, said something, did something, walked away from something, and found their way back. And the church should be the place that celebrates with them. Goodness. I want to show you another picture because I want to tell you a story. Uh, hold on a second. Hold on. Oh, there, no, I, they got, okay, leave it up. Leave it up. This is my friend Fred. Quick show of hands. How many? Raise your hand if you know Fred. It's a small group. <laughs> Fred was the first guy that walked into Cape Cod Church in a plumbing building. First visitor from the community, we didn't know, walked in. I'll never forget, he was wearing a gray suit and white shoes. It was summer, and white shoes weren't in in 1992. I'm just telling you. It was a bad look. But remember what I said about church is better with people? We were not picky. Like, I love Fred. Fred and I became fast friends. He and another guy, John Hadder, were the first two people I baptized. I got to know Fred over the years, and... It's 1992, and Fred was fresh off of losing everything. He was a real estate guy, and in the 80s, he had lost it all. I knew this because he would tell me the stories. He would, we would drive around every once in a while, and he'd show me some properties he used to own, and he had lost everything. And I'm going to tell you, Fred died about, about 10 years ago. He never got back that former glory. And I knew sometimes talking with him and choices he'd made and paths he'd gone down and things he'd lost. And... What Fred didn't know was that the best real estate deal was still in front of him. Our little church was running about 30 people. <laughs> 30. We have more in the worship team, I think, now with the tech booth. We were... And Fred found a piece of property. It was right before the market went crazy. A little piece of property. And we didn't, I mean, folks, I was delivering newspapers. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. We found this piece of property over on Route 28 that would become our home. And he brokered that deal. And then at the closing, in order so we would have a down payment, he took his commission, turned it back in, and the bank let us use that as the down payment so Cape Cod Church get its first property. I love comeback stories. 
Comeback stories are personal. You don't always get to share them. But boy, when you get to see them up close, when you get to hear somebody's story of redemption and comeback, that's what we want to be. We want to be a church of comeback stories. People who... The past is past, but listen, because of Jesus Christ, the best is absolutely yet to come. Here's the third... I call the third prayer warriors. My goodness, I could preach all day about this. Here's what it says in verse 12. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you? Epaphras was the leader in the church who came to Paul and said, Paul, this place is a mess. Help me out. Paul said, I'm going to write you a letter. You just hang out. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. And then here's what he says about Epaphras. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Wrestling in prayer. Wrestling in prayer. I love that picture. Wrestling. Who fights for you? I mean, do you have someone that fights for you? I remember in high school. I had a... I was kind of in a valley between two groups that were sort of warring, and I didn't fit into either. And I had a group, and they were sort of... <laughs> I felt like my life was in danger. Remember, I grew up in Springfield. And I'll never forget this kid, Dan, who I've never seen since, came up to me. He's like, Ben, I got you. He was the captain of the football team. We'd never hung out. That was the most I'd ever talked to him. I'm like, I love you, Dan. I don't know what that means, but I love you. Man, I could tell stories about prayer warriors in our church. People who fight for you in prayer. I'm going to get messed up. I remember walking into a hospital room with a grandma. Danielle, I spent 30 years going into hospital rooms. And I've gone in to pray. I remember walking into that hospital room and seeing Daniela praying. Humbling. Tammy and I were in the hospital, and honestly... We're sort of private people. And we were just laying low. Like, we'll send you emails, but like, 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 put up the iron wall. Like, and Joyce O'Connor and Bev Chapman, they're like, um, every church needs church ladies. <laughs> Joyce O'Connor, Bev Chapman. They're like, we'd like to come pray. Bring it on. Because everyone needs prayer warriors. Thirty years ago when we were getting ready to come here, I had known a pastor in Rhode Island named Bob Saroy. We didn't know each other well. We just happened to have been in the same same kind of church network and twenty-five years later. 
Bob had moved on from pastoring, but had been serving faithfully in churches and then somehow ended up down on Cape Cod and walked into Cape Cod Church one Sunday, he and his wife Annie. And I remembered, he remembered. So we went out to get coffee. And I remember Bob asking me, Pastor, call me preacher, I like that. I'm not a Bible studier, honey, I'm a preacher. I said, how can I pray for you? Who do you have that wrestles for you? I realized in that moment that Bob was the guy who was going to lead our prayer ministry. You need people who wrestle in prayer. That's why we call them prayer warriors. Man, the church, what a story of God's goodness and his faithfulness. There's one more, one last one. I'm going to use the word timid, but I, that, that's not exactly the right word. But you, you, you walk with me. I call them timid heroes. If, if you go, I want to go all the way back to chapter one, the very first verse of, of Colossians chapter one. Here's, here's what it says. Let me show you this. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy. Our brother. He's giving the greeting that tells him who is, who is writing the letter. Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy. You, if, if you're familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard the name Timothy. Timothy. Timothy was kind of a, 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 a young son in the faith of Paul. But did you know this? Did you know that Timothy was co-author of Colossians? Did you know that Timothy was co-author of six of the books of the New Testament and had two others written to him. <laughs> That's eight. That means over a quarter of the New Testament has Timothy's fingerprint on it. You know what else? By all accounts, he was a nervous wreck. Remember that verse we love over Timothy? Where it says, God has not given you, Timothy, a spirit of fear. That was his big brother, Paul. Hey, 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 Timothy, stir up that gift in you. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love a sound, stable mind. Timothy, Timothy. Oh my goodness. Timid heroes behind the scenes. Now literally, I could go all day telling you stories about people behind the scenes. I could tell you how a couple of weeks ago, all of our staff was on vacation. I don't know how to, just everybody was gone. And, I, like all, and I'm like, I'm going to have to open up the building by myself. And I, and I realized I didn't actually know who opened the buildings on Sundays. And I found out it's Bert, the coffee guy. Yeah. Crazy. Guy shows up at like, oh, dark early, and 
He likes it when there's no people here. He's <laughs> like that. Opens it up. I could tell you story after story after story of the people behind the scenes. Because behind the scenes is the scene. Behind the scenes is the scene, folks. I don't think anybody would describe this next person as timid. Now, he runs, he runs the camera equipment in the back, so don't mess with me, young man, by turning me off. But Josh Berlin is just one of these volunteers. Let me tell you something about Josh. Josh did not miss a Sunday from March of 2020 through April of 2022. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to make that out like you should never miss a, su- a Sunday in two years because I missed a whole bunch of Sundays in those two years. Josh is the guy who, when we pivoted to online during COVID, figured out all of that online stuff and how to, how to improve what we were doing online and make that experience better and better and better and better for people and was just devoted to it on top of his regular full-time job. was just pouring himself into it. The epitome of behind the scenes literally sits behind a concrete wall behind two sets of doors in front of a camera screen every single week. I love those stories because behind the scenes is the scene. And that's the church, right? Prison buddies, comeback stories, prayer warriors, timid heroes. Behind the scenes, just quietly doing their part. And here's Paul at the end of this whole thing. And he's saying, hey, I've been telling you about Jesus for four chapters. Let me tell you about the people Jesus is using. And 30 years into this story, I got to tell you, I love coming together and talking about some of the stories of who God is using and how he's using them. But they're just a few examples of hundreds of people in a moment, we're going to tell you exactly what's coming. We're going we're gonna to do some announcements, and then we're going to sing a great song, and then we're going to go have barbecue. It's just going to happen just like that. But before we get there, I want to invite you to take a step or two. I wanted to make this weekend as, as practical as we could. And so I gave you, in your hand, a, a little card. And on one side of it, there's a place on the serve team. Because here's the reality, folks. We, we, we need you. The story of what God has done at this church is the story of what he will do over the next 30 years. And if you're here and you're like, man, Ben, I love what God is doing here. And I want to be a part of it. Here's the truth. We need you. I'm not making that up. I'm not just saying it. We need you. God wants to use you. And the work that he's doing here, 
As we step into this fall, we have this new series and we're welcoming all these new families and expanding kids programs. We need you. We honestly, we cannot, we don't, we, we cannot do it if we don't have you as a part of that story. So I listed off a bunch of places on serve team and I just want to invite you to take a step into that. Right above that is baptism. That might be a next step for you. That's one step. Being a part of a serve team, that's another step. And so I hope you take one of those. It's not a long... Listen, you don't have, it doesn't mean, you know, you have to go to prison or you can't miss church for two years. I promise you, that's not what it means. But what it means is, hey, I want to find out more. So you can mark off a bunch of things. In fact, we put things down like trunk or treat. Trunk or treat is coming back this year. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but we're... Honestly, we're terrified because it's like, it takes so many workers. And it's like, like, there's no problem. 3,000 kids will show up. And you do not want me taking care of 3,000 kids. So <laughs> Christmas choir, we're coming back with our Christmas musical celebration this year. And there's an opportunity in music and worship and photography, all of our kids' programs, hospitality. And there, there's an opportunity. And then there's one last thing. At the bottom it says, how can we pray for you? And, and I mean this. I hope you'll, if you've got something going on in your life that we can pray with you about, we want to pray with you. We want to know what God is doing because I know some prayer warriors. And they're a part of our prayer team. And if you like to pray for others, there's actually a place down there. Just check it off. It says, I'd like to be a part of the prayer team. But if you just, you're like, man, I just need somebody to pray. I need one of those prayer warriors in my life. I know some. So just take a minute, fill this out. And then as you're leaving, take these cards and drop them in the boxes as we go. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to finish by praying for the next 30 years of what God is going to do at his church. Because 30 years from now, there'll be more stories to tell. 10 years from now, five years from now a year from now. God continues to write the story of his church and he's writing it through you and you and you and you and you and me. Would you pray with me? Father, For 30 years, you've never let us down. For 30 years as a community, we've seen these stories of transformation. Of life change. Of comebacks. of people discovering fullness in Jesus Christ, of community and relationships, of friendships that have lasted a lifetime. We've seen babies born. We've heard them cry. <laughs> and we've rejoiced. We've said goodbye to good friends. And we've known where they've gone. And we've celebrated. 
And we're so grateful. So, Father, my prayer is that you would continue your work through us. You would raise up a whole new generation. would step into the life of their church giving it priority serving one another growing in faith celebrating your goodness I pray this in Jesus name Amen